0: Welcome everybody to the Monthly Movie Dispatch, the show where we get together once a month and we talk about our favorite movie that came out that month. We recommend it to each other and we talk about what's so great about it and we get excited about movies. I'm here with some of my best movie-watching friends. These guys I've known since high school and that's what separates us from every other movie-related show. We've been friends since high school and we'd be talking about movies even if no one was listening. We just love movies and we're excited about it. This time of year gets really exciting because this is when... Oscar season really starts spinning up. So uh, all the movies that we're going to be talking about are kind of, they're kind of going to be the high contenders for our end of the year, our end of the year top ten lists. So, um, yeah, I think we should just dive right into it. First, I'm going to introduce who we're, who we're watching the show with. Uh, we got Brandon Bowlby in New York City.
1: Hey, guys. How's it going?
0: Good. Uh, Brandon, real quick, we're going to do some team-building exercises for just to get the show off on the right track um and because it's because this is our october episode i have themed them all horror movie related so brandon mm-hmm. which do you prefer which one's better okay the shining or the exorcist
1: i'd say the shining okay okay yeah
0: cool and we got uh, his brother, Sean Bulby in Seattle, Washington. What's up, Sean? Hi. Hi. How's it going? Great. What's better? The Blair Witch Project or Alien?
2: Uh, a- alien, yeah. Alien.
0: Alien. Okay. And we got Derek Deal in Everett, Washington. What's up, Derek? Hey. Okay, Derek. This is a tough one. The Ring or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre?
3: Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
0: All right. Okay. <laughs> awesome.
2: Which te- yeah. Texas Chainsaw that Massacre. That was
1: like the most confident uh, we've all been on those intro questions.
3: The
0: remake.
2: Yeah, it was for softballs, Nick.
0: It was for softballs. <laughs> yeah. Okay, do you want It was good. Actually, do, do you want a harder one? Uh, the Fly or uh, uh, Invasions of the Body Snatchers?
2: Oh. <laughs> I haven't seen the original, or I haven't seen Invasion of the Body Snatcher, so...
0: Oh man, it's um, one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah you took it up a notch,
1: Nick. I need to see it, yeah.
0: Well, I could have gone deep cut, but then I was like, I, I don't know which horror movies you guys have seen, so <laughs> I wanted to make sure there are ones you guys saw. I felt like Sean's was the least fair. Like, how can you compare Alien like a cerebral intense, like methodical movie to the Mm -hmm. Blair witch project, which was just like wandering
2: around in the woods for (laughs) an hour and a
0: half. So, um, I thought that one was not fair, but Mm. besides that, I don't know. I thought we were doing pretty good. Um, anyway, so I'm pretty excited about October. I, I love this time of year. I love, uh, talking to you guys about movies. So um, how's everything going, Brandon? uh, I promised you that uh, I'd jump to you first because you wanted to talk about something right off the top that's not necessarily movie-related, but I know you're excited about it.
1: Yeah, only partially movie-related. I've been watching Shane Dawson's six-part docuseries on YouTube. Uh, If you guys haven't heard of him, he is easily and by far my favorite YouTuber. It's been around the game for a long time but this last year and a half he's really he's really pushed himself to make some artful youtube projects and the amount of time he's spent on this latest one he's been filming it for like eight months um and yeah it was six parts about six hours of documentary footage it's basically just about him and um this really eccentric guy jeffrey star and who has his own makeup line and he's basically coaching Shane through creating his own makeup line from scratch to like launch. Um, it's fascinating seeing a whole like production of that. And Shane is just like on top of his amazing, like video skills and editing skills. He's Mm -hmm. also like one of the funniest guys just to watch and listen to. So while you're watching this documentary, you're also cracking up. Um, hope you guys get a chance to check it out.
0: So that's uh, yep. Shane Dawson. To
1: yep, totally self-produced. Yeah. He's doing it all on his own, just with him and his cameraman, Andrew. It's pretty amazing to see and inspiring.
3: Hmm. I've watched most of his series. I haven't started this one yet, but it's definitely the stuff he does is like close to, I think, what my ideal purpose of YouTube is. Which is like, yeah, people just at home making incredible content, like, uh, stuff that some people would pay to probably watch. Like, it's just that high quality stuff. And I don't know if anyone else is really doing that. Not, not like to his level, not to his length,
1: I think is the big thing, his
3: length, but also like his, uh, user or not user base, but like his, uh. Don't know the amount of people that watch it like oh, his, yeah. his series mm-hmm. are like big events on youtube so
0: well cool um yeah i've only seen a few of his videos that you've shared but uh he is super funny and a great editor um so yeah we'll we'll have to check that out um uh sean uh derrick do you guys have anything you want to report before we dive into this episode
3: um. <laughs> no, I guess some yeah no. Let's jump movies in. to talk about once we jump into yeah. that section. Yeah,
0: so. I mean we're we're in the middle of football season. Seahawks oh. are seven and two. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um Patriot's Smackdown lost. is on Fridays now on Channel Thirteen.
3: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyway, so the rest <laughs> of the rest of this episode. uh we have three movies that we're going to talk about in depth. Uh, Sean, Derek, and Brandon have each picked a movie. And uh, we're going to be talking about The Lighthouse. Um, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. We're going to be talking about The Lighthouse. Brand, what was the name of the movie that you chose again? The uh, Light got of a smaller My Life. Indie than the Light of My Life, a movie that I'm really excited to hear Brandon talk about and to see eventually. But I'm sorry, but that name is having a hard time sticking to my head. You have yeah, to like agreed. tattoo it on my hand or something. But um and uh and we're gonna talk about the Joker. So that's the other big one. So the Joker, the moneymaker, the Joker. But uh first I wanted to tell you guys about how how I did horror movie month this last month. Um mm-hmm. you guys know that I do that I try to do it every year. This is my sixth year in a row doing it. And uh in the past, me and Derek have kind of done it together and we've like podcasted um weekly, like, our updates and stuff, and um, it's always something I, like, truly enjoy, like, I I feel like uh, both me and Derek, when we started doing it, we were kind of scaredy cats, and not, horror wasn't one of my genres, but after doing it every year, I've, like, grown such fondness for, for horror movies, and I love how they're allowed to be so creative, and even the bad ones usually have, like, really, like, nuggets of, like, really interesting ideas, and I don't get scared as much as I used to, but, like... After watching like Thirty One, they get they get inside your head and you you know even if you're not scared in the moment like I don't know just kind of like creates a eerie spooky tenseful tone of the month and um, I don't know I love it I love this I love doing horror movie month I started early this year so I kind of called it horror movie I called it horror movie month because um, yeah I started like a week early because I wanted to make sure to watch all the movies it was kind of less about the challenge and more about seen 31 movies so um real quick um this is gonna take long but um brandon suggested i do this just Mm -hmm. list off all 31 that i watched just because yeah do it i don't know it's kind of fun hearing them all in a row so um i got them right here so i'm gonna i'm gonna read them off my ipad (laughs) um okay so i'm not gonna say the numbers i think i'm just gonna list them so um so the house of the devil uh, 1957's *The Curse of Frankenstein*, *Dead of Night*, the 1959 *The Mummy*, uh, *Scouts Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse*, *Cabin Fever 2*, *Spring Fever*, *The Witches* from 1990, *Rob Zombies 31*, *Halloween 3: Season of the Witch*, the 1932 classic *Freaks*, *Happy Death Day*, John Carpenter's *Prince of Darkness*, John Woo Park's uh, *The Host*, uh, *The Texas Chainsaw Massacre*. Jeremy Sommier's murder party in the tall grass, sudden fear, one cut of the dead, tigers are not afraid, cat people, it conquered the world, cannibal holocaust, the revenge of Frankenstein, I walked with a zombie, the lighthouse, three from hell, don't look now, Dracula, prince of darkness, the last house on the left, Tusk and house. So those were my 31. And uh, it was super fun. Um, Some of the big things I went through, you may have heard, I watched a bunch of Hammer movies. Hammer's a production company uh, from like, that that put out a lot of monster movies in the 1950s and 60s. And that that was when uh, Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing were like in every single movie. And those are really awesome. Like, uh, um, The Revenge of Frankenstein. That was the, I'm sorry, the, The Curse of Frankenstein was the first of their Frankenstein movies, and it focused less on the monster and more of Peter Cushing as Doctor Frankenstein. And uh, the sequel started right where the second, where the the other, the first one ended. And it just I don't know, gets weird. Like I just it doesn't focus on the monster, so it just kind of gets more into the psychology of of Doctor Frankenstein. And uh, those were awesome. Um, hmm. And uh, yeah, you know I watched a bunch of cool movies from some of my favorite directors. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have any questions or, or anything about, uh, about any of these movies that I listed?
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. So one I'm really interested in. Um, so in the spirit of seeing parasite, which is a movie we'll talk about next month. Um, uh, how, how good was the host? Like, um, how did Bong Joon-ho's like style carry over into the horror genre from the past?
0: Um, so from what I've experienced in Bong Joon-ho films, which the host definitely carried on, was he's really, really talented at, um, balancing different tones all at the same time. Like, there's a lot of different layers to the movie. Like, I don't know uh, if you guys have heard much about the host, but it's a, it's a pure monster movie. Basically, Mm -hmm. like the united states like dumped a bunch of chemicals into a river in korea and a giant monster was formed and it like runs around and terrorizes the city but um there's like there's a lot of um different levels to the movie like there are some scenes that are like truly terrifying with like this weird scary monster running around but then like it also gets like really funny in certain parts and then there's scenes that are like really really sad like uh, the daughter in the family goes missing and all the families like blaming each other. And it's like a really sad scene, but then they kind of start like blumbling on top of each other and kind of like fighting, but in a really like sad, goofy way. And it kind of turns into like a really absurdist sort of funny moment. And I don't know, I feel like Bong ho does that a lot with his movies where he, yeah, that's his he has all these totally. yeah. And, um, and so that was kind of, that was one thing I really enjoyed about the host. Um, that kind of thing doesn't always work for me, but it seems like when Bong joon Ho does it, I, uh, it does work. So, like I don't, I don't think I've seen a movie of his that I haven't liked. So um, yeah, the host was great in that, in that, in that sense. Nice. Yeah.
2: Nice. How was how, uh, how was the intensity of uh, of your horror movie month with a pregnant wife in the house? Were you able to get um, get in some pretty gory, bloody? Stop, or did you stick... Well, You feel like um, you stuck pretty tame?
0: Yeah, well, shannon has been a real trooper with um, with Horror Movie Month uh, this month. And uh, we kind of made an agreement early on that, like, I wouldn't watch too many of the truly horrifying ones while she was around. Um, she actually really likes the, um, the monster movie ones. And so mm-hmm. that was kind of like... I like... I, like I was saying before, like, I really like these Hammer movies, like, there, there's so many of them, but, um, they, they're, they're all, like, really fun, and so she was really open to watching those with me, that was why I watched so many of them, um, and, like, you know, they're, they're, those ones are interesting, because they're, like, certainly creepy, especially Frankenstein, it's, like, Dr Frankenstein's a freaking weirdo and they really <laughs> dig into like how weird he is but also the movie is just kind of like rawr, you know it's not like truly terrifying. And so um the other kind of weird thing that was happening this month was that my baby wasn't really sleeping that much. It seemed like she was waking up for like 2 hours a night. Like she would just wake up in the middle of the night and then just be awake. Like she wouldn't even like be crying or that upset. She was just Be awake making noise, and I mean, she'd cry if like we ignored her for too long, and then she'd like get really upset, and she would just want us to like rock her back to sleep. And so I would, I I would often find myself just like sitting in the chair with her, like rocking her for for like hours. And I kind of developed a routine of like watching horror movies on my iPad. So that was kind of when I watched a bunch of like really horrifying movies. <laughs> like, I'd watch, like, I'd watch like a Rob Zombie movie where, like, 31, the Rob Zombie movie. Mm-hmm. I remember distinctly, like, watching, like, this movie that's, like, super violent where these people are just trying to survive where all these weird carnival people are, like, chasing them around with chainsaws. Um, I just remember watching that, like, holding my baby, my sweet little innocent baby, and, you know, she's not looking at the screen. She's totally fine. She's oblivious to what's happening around her. And I'm just, like... You know, kinda of looking off to the side. Yeah, I've got my headphones on. I'm just kinda of holding her and just just watching just T V. <laughs> you know? Um, so there were there were a few like that. Um nice. you know, we we traveled too. Like I went up to Alaska so there were times while we were travelling where I'd like watch a movie while, you know, nothing was happening. And um yeah, that's that's why I watched Murder Party and I, I don't know if you guys have know much about Murder Party, but like Jimmy is, like I really want to see it. Dude, it's 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 fun. Like I that's really his first enjoy movie, that one. That right? was Yeah, yeah. It's his first movie and it's not it's clearly not as like refined and like perfect as Blue Ruin and Green Room. Like Green Room is so methodical and paced out perfectly, building the intensity it's just it's such an intense movie and murder party is not that murder party is kind of sloppy it's kind of all over the place that you know it's doing the thing where it juggles genres because it's 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 very funny but it's also very gory but um yeah, that was one that i watched like while we were traveling and i was just like i was just like this is fun like i i really enjoyed murder party um and you could tell there's a nugget of, like, of talent there. Like, you can tell, like, he's going to go on and do something else. But there's, like... I don't know. There's, like, this really funny scene in the beginning of the movie where he... He's, like, this weird loser guy. And he, like... He comes home on Halloween day, night. And he finds this invitation on his walk home to the murder party. And he, like... He uh, goes in... He had rented a movie. And he, like, goes into his house. He fills up a big bowl of candy corn. And he goes to his chair. He puts puts the movie in the vcr and then he sees his cat is seeing the chair and he's like uh, excuse me and the cat just looks at him and he looks at the cat and he, the cat looks at him he looks at the cat the cat looks at him he looks at the cat and he's like fine and then he like goes and puts on costume and goes to the murder party and um, <laughs> that pretty much that's the tone for the movie so um yeah yeah so um yeah, I mean, that movie was pretty violent, too. But again, I didn't really watch that one when she was around too much. Um, I don't know. I just kind of found time to watch the movie, the really horrifying ones. So
3: nice. So how did you get through Cannibal Holocaust?
0: Oh, uh, great question, Derek. Um, how did I get through Cannibal Holocaust? Well, that was kind of a weird situation because that was one of those nights where... Yeah, Lane wasn't really sleeping, and um, I had subscribed to Shutter um, for for the month, and um, mm. I got Lane back to sleep, and then um, I couldn't get back to sleep. So this wasn't I wasn't really watching that when I was with her. I just I couldn't mm. get I couldn't get back to sleep. So like basically from like three to four. A.m. I was like putting her back to sleep and then <laughs> I couldn't get back to sleep myself. I was just like wired and at four in the morning it's kind of one of those times where it, you know, when you have to get up at six, like it might just be easier to stay up. So I went in the living room and turned on Cannibal Holocaust on the TV oh, and damn. I just uh I just watched it and <laughs> um youth. Yeah, I mean it's one of those movies where um <laughs> I finished it and I thought yeah, there's something broken inside of me. Um, yeah, just just that I was able to sit <laughs> through it. Um, I just felt kind of broken, you know. Like, I don't. I don't really think there's something wrong with me, but like, right. I wouldn't recommend it for most people. I do think the movie is very interesting, and like, there is something to the. So, I mean, to me, Campbell Cost is like the most. Um, explicitly, like exploitative movie, and you know, there's like a subgenre of yeah. exploitation movies. And I also watched The Last House on the Left, which I also think is an exploitative movie. But hmm. the thing about The Last House on the Left is, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of violence against like teenage women, and I yeah. I don't know if the movie really has a purpose hmm. for the violence. I mean, it's also kind of a sloppy movie, but like I also don't think there's right. a greater purpose for showing all the violence and um, right. um Cannibal Holocaust is different because it's it's trying to be super realistic so I don't, I don't know if you guys, what I don't know what you guys know about Cannibal Holocaust but it's it's about this guy who who um there's a film crew that was going to go film a documentary in the middle of the jungle and uh, they disappeared. And so he goes into the jungle to try to find them and he, he gets there and he finds that they're, they, they're, they have been killed. Like they don't, they're not there anymore, but their cameras and their, their, their equipment, and their footage are still there. And the, the tribe like has it and he, he recovers it. And then he comes back and these, um, these news I shouldn't like these TV stations these you know they they want to edit the footage and put it out as like a documentary and he's like you can't do that like you can't show this footage to anybody you need to destroy this footage and then like the second half of the movie is basically just like watching the footage so it's all like semi documentary style like it's very much mm-hmm. like a documentary and um The director of the movie, um, of Cannibal Holocaust, he, he wanted to make it as real as possible. And so he showed, um, these actors like killing animals for real, you know, there's like these really, really brutal scenes where like they, they, they like cut open a, a turtle like its shell in half, and you can like it's still alive, and you can see its guts moving. And it's, like that's
3: the scene that made me turn the movie off. Oh I no! Felt like I was about to throw up.
0: Oh, I believe it. Like it's 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 yeah. it's, it's it's fucked up. You know, who, it's who directed and, it? it? Um, it's a, he's an Italian director. Um, oh, okay. I thought it was.
2: Isn't there, like, a similar premise for an Eli Roth movie? Yeah, that's new, though. Yeah, um,
0: his, that's this his is called The Green Inferno. And actually, oh, The okay. Green Inferno is the name of the movie that they are making in oh. Cannibal Holocaust. So Eli Roth was, like, he was... Very inspired. Yeah, he was me. inspired by Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> and um, it's, his name is Ruggiero Didaro. So he's a, he's a, he's a Italian filmmaker and he, um, so he wanted to, and they, they kill other animals too. Like they kill a monkey, like it's in, in very brutal fashions. And, um, and the whole, and so the, per, the I, I read a bunch about it, you know, I like, I had to like keep, I had to read it, you know, to figure out if this movie was good or not. Cause I really didn't know. Like I finished watching. I'm like, I don't know what I just watched. I don't know if that's good. I, I don't know what the hell ha- just happened. And apparently the director wanted to make the like animal murders as real as possible because he wanted to make it feel like if you see all these real things happening, when you see the humans being killed later on and violence against humans, you're going to think that maybe that was real too. And, um, that actually happened like when the movie came out in Italy it was he was arrested for for murder like people thought that people were killed in the making of his movie and uh i mean it was proven that no one no humans died in the making of it but he was still like charged with like indecent exposure and like all these other things and um but the movie i do think has a bigger point that you know, the end of the movie is like, who were the real savages? You know, the, the, and, um, it does, I think it is trying to say that like, you know, these civilized people are, are just as like murderous and, uh, like kind of awful and twisted as these like savages that, you know, end up killing these guys because the people in the documentary do a lot of like really terrible things and are just like awful people. And, um, so I think, I think the movie does have a bigger point and I think there is an argument to be made of whether or not, whether or not like what the filmmakers went through to make the movie, um, if it was worth it, I think there is an argument there, but at least it right. did have a bigger point. So,
3: um, right. I don't know. As it opposed was, to like Last House on the Left felt like its point was just to piss people off.
0: Right. Yeah. The Last House, it House on really Left. didn't really have any. Yeah. Yeah that felt like it was just about the violence. And this one was like, Hey, yeah. we're showing you the most violent things that you could see, but, um, think about it sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. But yeah, so that movie was, was, yeah, that was probably the most intense movie I watched, uh, uh, throughout horror movie month.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: So, um, I wanted to tell you though, that I watched two movies. No, I watched like, I watched like five movies from 2019, but I wanted to bring up two of them. We're going to be talking about The Lighthouse later on, and I loved The Lighthouse, but we'll talk about that later on. But um, I wanted to bring up um, two movies that weren't actually like, like if you look on Letterbox, they're credited as 2017, but they didn't really get like wide release in the United States until 2019. And those two movies are, um, I'm sorry, uh, One Cut of the Dead, um, which is a super, it's like it's a pretty awesome movie it's like it's about this uh docu it's about this film film these guys are filming a movie in japan It's it's a japanese movie and they're they're making a they're making a zombie movie and then a real zombie apocalypse breaks out and uh the first 40 minutes of the movie are just one shot and so you're just following this like these people that are filming the movie, and zombies start attacking, and it's just it's just really exciting. You have this like eccentric director that's like screaming at them to like keep filming and keep working, and and then like it turns into like a whole different thing in the second half of the movie. But um, it's it was filmed on like a shoestring budget. Um, like apparently, if you like translated it from Japanese dollars to American dollars, it's like twenty thousand dollars or something. But there's there's a, like a lot of really creative stuff that happens in the movie, and um, it's kind of like about the filmmaking process. So I don't know if you love if you like horror movies or zombie movies or just movies about making movies. It's like I would highly recommend One Cut of the Dead. Um, the other one, Tigers Are Not Afraid, um, was totally brilliant. Um, that was another one that I like absolutely loved. It was. It takes place um, in this place where the cartel are just like basically running running the city. And um, in the beginning of the movie, um, this this little girl who's the main character, her school is like there's like a shooting happening outside of her school, and her teacher crawls over and gives her a piece of three pieces of chalk and says that they're three wishes. And the whole movie is like ambiguous of whether or not the wishes are like real or not, like the whether or not they're supernatural. And um, she. <sighs> she um basically like goes home that day and her mom is gone and it's like pretty obvious that the cartel took her or something and she eventually uses one of her wishes to wish for her mom to come back but then her mom comes back or something comes back as like a ghost and um so she's kind of being haunted but then she's so then she like meets up with this these other kids that are kind of orphaned because of the cartel but i don't know it's kind of like a fairy tale the way the movie the way the movie's filmed it's like it's kind of sweet you know it's it's very there's a lot of really innocent scenes like kids playing soccer and hanging out by a zoo and um but then there's some like really truly like real life horrifying things with the cartel like you know sicario like that kind of shit that happens and then and then there's like the supernatural side where it's like you know maybe ghosts and stuff and um yeah, it was just the way they balanced all of it and just told this really amazingly sweet story. Um, I would like I, I would really highly recommend that movie. I gave it four and a half stars. Um, that one's Tigers yeah. are not afraid to put that on Sounds my awesome. list before the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much uh, my horror movie month. Um, uh, thanks for giving me a second to talk about it. You guys, um, you know, I just I just love horror movie month and um, I look forward to it every year so um, it's pretty cool doing for me at least it's like cool doing something like every year like this because I can look back at like where I was in my life the previous years and it's just always kind of like fun to think back to oh yeah last year I did that or like shit that was six years ago you know I was in a completely different place six Mm -hmm. years ago so um, yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (sighs) so um Let's let's move on. What's yeah. sorry? I need to pull this up. What do we got next? Are we talking about the lighthouse next? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my right goodness! Into the oh my goodness! Speaking of horror movie month, okay. So, yeah. Sean, you're gonna introduce the lighthouse.
2: Oh man, uh, that's gonna be a tough. That's gonna be a tough one.
0: To, well, you can read the plot summary. You're, yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs>
2: Yeah, uh, so the lighthouse. Um, the IMDb plot summary is <clears throat> the hypnotic and hallucinatory tale of two uh, lighthouse keepers on a remote and mysterious New England island in nineteen uh, in the nineteen eighties, or I'm sorry, the eighteen nineties. Um, it's starring uh, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. is directed by Robert. Uh, E- Egers, Edgers, uh, who also Edgers? did Eggers, Eggers who, uh, Eggers yeah, he suit. also did The Witch, um, which I really, really liked. Um, uh, yeah. <clears throat> so I believe we've all, all four of us have seen this movie, correct? Correct. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a fairly difficult movie to describe. Um, it's very weird. It's a very weird movie. Um, it doesn't have much of a, a real plot to speak of. That's that's dragging you through the movie, pulling you through the movie. It's a lot more about um, kind of methodically building the mental state of these characters um, and how and them kind of slowly losing their grip on reality as they are um, alone on this island for the entire movie, um, just with each other. To uh, <clears throat> to talk to. Um, it's a very expressionist film as well. It, um, it kind of looks like uh, maybe a, a German expressionist film. I haven't seen um, too many of those, but I, that's the kind of feel it gives you. Um, it has a, a three by four aspect ratio, um, which kind of adds to that. And um, uh, yeah, it's... it's um, so it's a lot, it's, it's kind of Willem Dufault and Robert Pattinson, um, at odds with each other. And they throughout the movie through these, uh, long extended dialogue sequences, they, uh, they kind of, you start to get a sense of, of how they're losing grip and um, how they're dealing with each other and isolation. Um, and the performances are pretty amazing. Uh, I, I wanted to uh, point out Willem Dufoe's really interesting accent for the movie. It's kind of a, a pirate accent, but I've only ever heard anyone do that accent as like a, a an exaggerated, like, like kind of doing a pirate, you know, um, Is that but what he really takes it.
1: That makes sense. Now. I
2: mean, I don't know if you. I, I looked it up. Apparently it's it. The pirate accent comes from a Bristol. It's a, it's like a Bristol accent. Um, and, but he made it sound and feel so natural and uh, he really made it work for him and his character. Right,
1: like an unexaggerated Pirates of the Caribbean thing that yeah. you're more familiar yeah, with. Yeah, it's really
2: cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie also, it, it uh, contains a lot of Greek mythology references. Um, in particular, Robert Pattinson, is, uh, his character is based on the myth of Prometheus, uh, who's the God who steals fire from Mount Olympus and, and gives it to humanity. Um, and then me and Kelly had to look this up, but Willem Dufault's character is based on Proteus. Who's like a, a sea God who, um, is like, he, he's a, uh, he gives prophecies, but he, he won't, he, he's like, um, really knowledgeable and he can see the future and, and he makes prophecies, but he won't give up his knowledge or won't tell you his prophecies unless unless he's captured. So I thought that was really interesting. There's a lot of um, references throughout the movie to Greek mythology, and there's a lot of imagery that's based on, um, I guess, works that were based on, uh, like artworks, paintings, and things that were based on Greek myths. Um, another thing I really appreciated about the movie that it was It was kind of a little bit tongue-in-cheek in Uh, in some scenes. um, It was kind of funny. I don't know if you remember Derek. uh, It was me, Derek, and Kelly saw the movie together. Um, Do you remember the people behind us who were laughing throughout, (laughs) like almost the whole movie? Which was was a a, little weird in some points, but...
3: but, Such a big comedy. Yeah.
0: I don't know, but we I actually laughing. did the think it was I went with, we were all kind of laughing a lot. Yeah. There, there yeah. were a yeah, few like, like really funny moments. Like, yeah. Like was, when
3: he
2: squares sure. off against the seagull and it's just like cutting back and forth. I thought that was really funny. And then yeah. like when, uh, Robert Pattinson tells, um, William Dufo, he doesn't like his, his food. And then <laughs> he just curses <laughs> at him. He just yeah. screams at like a him <laughs> like well, five it's like an actual like curse yeah, sure, like yeah, yeah. Holy oh,
0: yeah. fuck! Just thinking um. about that. That scene was so great because it was like both kind of scary and yeah. and also like pretty funny because he was just cursing him about this like his food. And then by the end of it, he just yeah, it.
3: he ends. He's like, "All right, I fancy it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: fine. Don't freak right. out about I it. like your food. Yeah."
2: <laughs> Um so I really appreciated yeah. that it as like serious of a movie as it was and like how um you know pretty horrifying uh and creepy it was throughout the movie it it was a way I feel like it was aware that this type of expressionist movie can be a bit absurd uh to audiences and and um you know kind of lighten the mood a little bit at at certain points that um that was qu- quite clever and and uh, appreciated.
0: Yeah, I mean, I really, I I really love this movie, but I, I really, I mean, it was basically just the two of them the whole movie. And if yeah, you're if you're not on board with like Robert Pattinson at this point, it's the same thing with Shia LaBeouf that I was talking about last month. Like, Robert Pattinson's just he's a great actor. I mean, he, he's mm-hmm. our, he's gonna be our next Batman, but he's been doing great work for for a few mm-hmm. years now. And uh, mm-hmm.
2: Robert Pattinsons. Song. Oh, I'm on board. Yeah, he's got he's in the new uh, new uh, Christopher Nolan movie coming out next year and he was in yeah. The King which I just saw. Uh, oh, he's in the Nolan film?
0: Movie, and Damn. Yeah. Um, Such a role. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, it's cool. These guys, these these like young actors who made they're super popular um, in, like, a kind of a, you know, very specific way. Twilight. Kirsten Stewart is the same way. You know, they're super mm-hmm. popular um, with their Twilight stuff made, you know, ungodly amount of money. And then it's like, okay, well, for the rest of our career, we can do literally whatever we want. And we're going to choose to make good art movies. It just, <laughs> It's just pretty, pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. What I really appreciated about this movie was how, um, like, all the stuff that you were saying about Greek mythology, like, clearly this movie had allusions to um, old sea-time myths. You know, I just... I, I think anyone who has an interest in lighthouses or the ocean or fishing or anything like that, like, needs to see this movie. And... Um, but it, I think also, um, on another level, it could just be a movie about, like, two guys getting stuck on Island and drinking a lot, you know, like, like it's possible that there's supernatural stuff. It's also possible that it's just two guys just kind of going cabin crazy. And, uh, I love that type of movie where it, it, it's ambiguous of, uh, of what truly is happening. And,
1: uh, Mm um, yeah, the way, the way with their drinking and the movie starts just stretching and playing with time. And like the whole back half of the movie just gets so confusing and you're right along there with the characters on what's happening, what's going on, how long have I been here? And the like director of this film doesn't really give you any clues. Things just kind of keep going and going and going. And I thought the way they played with that was really, really put you in the shoes of the characters that were there going crazy alongside them
0: yeah did this happen to you guys for me like there would often be like a really dramatic or scary moment and I'd be like holy holy moly, everything changed like this is crazy but then like the next scene it would just be kind of back to normal like I just I just kept getting confused yeah. on <laughs> on everything pretty much <laughs> yeah but mm-hmm. um, yeah, definitely kind of sensory overload a little bit but also uh, yeah,
2: the, like a, the um the sound design was was haunting as well. Like the horn that just kept blaring oh and the, gosh. the sounds of the ocean and totally. Yeah.
1: I thought uh, the movie, I mean, you keep saying how weird it is, but even for that, the movie kept like flipping my expectations really well on the way it like concluded scenes. And even the way the film concluded as a whole, mm-hmm. like I, I could never see where it was going. Even in, in the middle of a scene, I had no idea where it was going. And by the end of it, it would do exactly what I didn't think, but I was even more happy for it. Like there were several times when I was like kind of applauding their decisions in my head and, uh, it'll get a little spoilery, but, um, yeah, there's, there's just some great decisions they made towards the end of the film.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, it It is, it's hard to like wrap your brain around the movie and it definitely requires uh, additional viewings to really get a sense of what it was doing or going for. And, you know, is it, uh, you know, yeah. How you, you can interpret it, but yeah, it was really interesting.
3: Well, yeah. I'm curious how much like, Having been through the whole movie, how much it's going to change interpre- interpretations of earlier scenes? Mm-hmm. Like, not that there's, like you said, like the director doesn't really give you much to work with. Totally. <laughs> um, but I'm curious if what he does give you changes some of the things that happened early on that oh, may not a catch, you know?
0: I bet it's a different movie, the second viewing. Mean, like, none of us have mm-hmm. seen it again, right? Like no. No. I feel like it's a different movie the second time. Just, yeah, just like I bet you, you'd see a lot more, and you'd you'd really right. like. I mean, there's there's a big factor of whether or not like they're cursed, you know. And I feel like mm-hmm. the second viewing, you'd really wonder. You'd be looking for signs of. Mm-hmm. Well, and
3: like you said, it's like sensory overload. So maybe you'd be able to focus more and like catch <laughs> things that you didn't catch the first time around. Cause it's just so, it's so hard to track what's happening. Yeah. Uh, like thematically, you know?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. The witch was I kind think, of the same way. Like his last movie, it yeah. was kind of the same way where, you know, it was, uh, they, they spoke in that new England folky accent dialect in, mm. in the witch, where I remember afterward, a lot of people were complaining that they couldn't really understand what the people were saying to each other, which is like, I don't know, really? it's true a little bit, sure. But then, you know, you watch, I mean, I've seen The Witch like three or four times at this point, and like, mm. it's like, there's a lot to that movie. And I feel like this is the same kind of way where they throw you in the situation, and it's kind of hard to keep up with it. But, I mean, I think it's all there. I-
3: I really appreciate that, too, because it's like an added layer of focus that the viewer has to have in order to, like, keep up with the movie, you know? It's like you just... I don't know. It's like an added layer of interaction that we have with the film that make... I think that is a really cool thing to do. You know, I think it's a worthwhile venture for... I know, like, they talked about how... I I watched, like, a little documentary making of, like, The Witch took so long to really nail that accent because it's such a weird like dead thing that doesn't exist (laughs) anymore. And there's not a lot of like, like, you know, there's no recordings of it, (laughs) you know, back then. So it's like, um, I don't know. That that extra layer, though, I think that just adds so much to the movie. Yeah. It, this one was the same. It was like their accents just make it so much more engaging. I wonder if that's just going to be you gotta the focus director's more, thing you really pay from attention. now
1: on. Like, he'll keep making period pieces, and he'll have the actors speak exactly how they would in that time.
3: Frame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Is, rumor is, uh, is rumor has it
0: he's going to be making a new Nosferatu movie. Yeah. Yeah. Supposedly his next movie, which is pretty sweet because, I mean, Nosferatu, the the one from the twenties is like, has some really great imagery. I mean, it's a classic. It's like one of the Mm -hmm. first horror movies, Mm -hmm. but the Warner Herzog one is pretty twisted. And, um, I I would love, love to see what he does with Nosferatu.
3: For sure.
1: Uh, he gave this movie, I think like most of us, four and a half stars, and I want to say that like this movie is such a complete vision in just every aspect and every department. It kind of reminded me of like, Wes Anderson was to do a straight-up horror film, like from the set design to the aspect ratio and the black and white and the way people talk and the framing of the camera. It's like this guy has so much control and at getting like, exactly what he like wants in healing. this film. And yeah, you mentioned the sound design, Sean. It's like there's not a mm-hmm. single moment in this film that's lacking in delivering that like final vision that this director had. And it's so cool
0: seeing it all come together perfectly.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: <sighs> yeah. Okay. Um, do we have anything else to add about the lighthouse? I mean, I feel like we could do a spoiler okay. section and talk about yeah, it we really could in easily depth, but um, get
2: into our, you know, th- let spoiler for Joker.
0: Yeah. 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 So we're going to do spoilers <clears throat> for Joker. So I think we should move on from the lighthouse, but, um, I, I mean, all of us gave it a, a high, high recommendation, but I feel like you also, you have to be into like arty movies, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. I'm really curious if it's going to get like, you know, Academy Award nominations or anything like that. Like, I feel like Willem Dafoe absolutely like deserves recognition. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the Academy is like all like political and everything. So who knows what anything gets? And I don't think this movie made a lot of money either, but, right. Um, you know, I, I hope it gets some attention because, um, I don't know, it's, a, it's just, it's different. It's special. Mm-hmm, so, um, so, Brandon, uh, light of my life. Oh, Tell yeah. us about it.
1: <clears throat> okay. So, the IMDb. Um, parent and child journey through the outskirts of society a decade after a pandemic has wiped out half the world's population. Uh, As a father struggles to protect his child, their bond and the character of humanity is tested. Um, Half the world's population this film's talking about is uh, all the females. Um, It's very much semi-like children of men in that way. Um, Females can't have babies in this one. Almost every female in the film dies um, before in the past, and there is... His daughter isn't the only one alive. There's a few still left. Um, But basically in that society, women have become like this kind of very controlled, um, horrifically controlled, like coveted object, as you imagine, that clans of people need in order to sustain themselves and try to provide a future. Um, So just that thought. So the
0: the world is just slowly dying, basically. Yeah.
1: uh, minus a few women that are still alive and captured, okay. that that survived, that have an immunity to this plague.
3: Um, so this is Wait. what? Oh, so unlike children and men, women can still have babies. It's just yeah. they're all dying. Yeah, yeah.
1: So okay. I was just comparing children and men as like the post-apocalyptic like plague thing. Right. And,
0: so it makes sense. Yeah, that's a perfect yeah. comparison. It just uh, yeah, just I different just type of disease. To <laughs> Um,
1: so light of my life is directed and starring Casey Affleck, um, and the, the daughter in this film, Anna Panofsky, uh, she did a great job alongside Casey too. Uh, this is Casey's second film he's directed. He did this really weird movie with Joaquin Phoenix. Um, I don't remember what that was called. The like mockumentary. So like, I'm not there I'm not here. Yeah, I'm not there. I'm still here. I'm, yeah. still here. I'm, I'm still here. I'm still here.
2: I'm still here, yeah.
1: So, which I didn't I'm see. I'm not there was the Bob Dylan one. But mm. so far, what a interesting, creative um first and second movie career. I Okay, so I saw this in Mexico City. Um I kind of the thing I'm enjoying is seeing like indie movies in uh different countries when I do visit them. It's cool just to like take a night and go check out a cool theater that you can find. And I found an awesome, mm-hmm. like bar cinema there that was really low key and had a lot of great films, but you can't see foreign films in, uh, in Mexico cause there's not gonna be English subtitles. So I stuck with this one. Um, this movie really, really impressed me. Um, it's it's a very low budget film, and they definitely take the like story and world building a long way with that tiny budget. Um, it's mostly them like surviving in Pacific Northwest, kind of like that indie film Leave No Trace or something like that. Um, and there's very little actors in it. The towns they do come by are very small, like post apocalyptic sets. You know, they're not like storming through Los Angeles or anything. And mostly everything's alluded to in the dialogue, but in really like natural ways. Um, And this is just a film about him and his daughter um, going, you know, she's going through puberty and there is a lot to deal with that because she can no longer pose as a little boy anymore. Um, She's starting to show and people are starting to notice. So it's getting very scary. And I recommend this maybe even a part of like a horror movie month. It's a little bit thriller, a little bit horror. And I don't know. It takes a great like low budget angle at this stuff and creates a really fascinating film out of it.
0: Nice. Um, yeah, I had never heard of this movie until you uh, until you saw it. So I don't know. It must have gone really like under the under the radar over here. Um, hmm. Had had you heard of it before?
1: Like, <laughs> no, I, like
0: was it on I your had radar?
1: <laughs> I found the movie theater and I was like, holy shit, this looks great. And this movie happened to be showing that night. Nice.
0: Um, yeah. I mean, so Casey Affleck, right? Like, um, yeah. Like, did he like show signs of being like a great director? Like, I like the, the last one I saw, I saw I'm not, I'm still here. And it's, it's pretty weird. You know, it's like, it's basically like a documentary. Like, that was when Joaquin Phoenix was going to quit acting and be a rapper. Like, do you remember when he showed up on Letterman and he was, like, chewing yeah. gum and stuff? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, like, that was, like, all part of, like, the shtick for... Um... Anyway, like, I feel like that was, like, not really, like, a true movie, you know? It was, like, kind of, like, a fun, weird, goofy thing. So mm-hmm. it's like kind
2: of, like, half documentary, half... half mockumentary. Yeah. But I yeah. think all, of, like yeah it's a real it's documentary
3: kind of like, about a fake thing it's
2: almost happening. like borat honestly because <laughs> right. like all, i think all of his interactions with other people are real right Uh but there's also like some stuff where it's just him acting totally like like him and some other character acting together or maybe not or, anyway it's yeah, a weird kind it's of. a yeah.
0: weird movie so as like i kind of i kind of feel like this is like Casey Affleck's like first movie in some ways mm-hmm. like his first like you know, real movie. Um, like, did he show signs of like, you know, definitely. He, he does a lot of fascinating
1: things in the movie, like these long kind of extended dialogue scenes between him and his daughter in the movie. And both of their acting really, really shines during those moments. And it really helps like build a connection. The movie's like very beautiful and well shot. There's some good like anti framing in there that kind of works well for this, uh, uneasy movie. And then the intensity that he builds in some of these scenes, like it's really great, like Jeff Conado always says in the slash film cast is like you're watching um, you're watching characters be smart and it's just really fun to see, even in these like incredibly intense moments and um even like the fighting and the violence and brutality is shot in like a really great way um, Casey Affleck is kind of like a uh, pacifist, right? Is that the word? Yeah. Pacifist. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the way someone like that would fight, you know, it's like, no one knows how to fight. You just kind of like grab each other's clothes and brawl around and break shit on accident. And it's just this really like rough raw way of showing it. And, uh, every time that happened, it was like different and unique, but just looked so real. So I think there was a ton of great choices he made in this film.
3: Nice. Uh, yeah, it sounds really interesting. Um, I generally like these, like that kind of world movie, like those post apocalyptic, like on the road kind of movies are really well, like inherently designed to just be interesting. Yeah, I'm just curious how you think it finds its own, like, place to exist because it's kind of becoming a pretty saturated story. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like
0: there's, there's a thousand post-apocalyptic movies or end of the world movies.
3: Well, and it's, there's a lot of like father daughter kind of, or even if they're not really father daughter, but you know, people, you know, that relationship on the road in a post-apocalyptic movie. And, um, you know, like last of us really comes to mind when you're describing this. And I'm just curious how well it justifies telling that story again
1: it's very uh, last of us. I didn't even think of that in video game comparison, but yeah, it's very yeah. last of us, except for the protagonist or Casey Affleck is um not some like macho gunslinger. he's a very calm right. like collected, nerdy guy that just wants to protect his daughter, but also not like. And just wants to avoid every situation of harm completely. Like that's Mm. his goal is to never even have to fight Mm. anyone to begin with. Um, so it kind of takes that stance and that's a little different. Um, also the teenage daughters, like going, like becoming like angsty and, um, rebellious in, in those years of one's life as we all do. And so that's kind of a Mm. new angle to see in a post-apocalyptic movie is this girl kind of just getting frustrated with everything and with life like we all did in middle school. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Nice.
2: Nice.
3: Hope you guys see it. Who's yeah. a better director, Ben Affleck or Casey Affleck?
1: Ben. Uh, I mean, Casey Affleck hasn't fallen off the deep end, right? So, yeah, I don't know. Has well, ben, ben Affleck's, ben Affleck's Affleck made two bad, bad movies movie, in a row. Right?
3: He oh, did? did
2: he? What
1: was his second? Oh, one? um, mm-hmm. I never saw his first two good films, so that's my problem, I guess. I think, I think he's like only gone three. Gone, Baby Gone is, is amazing. The town, town is
0: amazing. Argo won Best Picture. Yeah, I wasn't mad at Argo. That gangster movie. Argo is a ton <laughs> of fun. Brandon <laughs> so considers
3: Argo a bad movie. <laughs> he made
2: like bad one movie, bad though. gangster <laughs> crime movie or something. Yeah, he did like the gangster one, which I didn't see it. Miss, but
3: I haven't. I didn't hear it was terrible. It just wasn't that good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, give him a few more movies, and um, we'll see what happens.
2: Who's a yeah. better actor? Cool.
1: I've always been a fan of Casey Affleck, and I think he's yeah. I really a better like actor Casey than Affleck. his
2: brother.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: for sure.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um, I do. Th- I, I do know that movies um, available for streaming right now. I mean, I don't think you can. Uh, I don't think you can get for free anywhere, but. Um, like Voodoo or Amazon Prime you could you could rent it for streaming. And actually on Voodoo it's like 5 bucks. Um, I have it like on my wish list. So um I'm going to try to watch it really nice. soon probably. I'm going to hopefully do it the next month. So um, I can check back with you if you want. Sweet. But, yeah. Um, okay. There's so a lot of let's movies coming up though. Let's uh let's move on to uh, the main event. Derek, do you want to introduce uh the Joker?
3: sure I um, never everyone knows the Joker of Batman fame but the plot synopsis of this film is in Gotham City mentally troubled comedian Arthur Fleck is disregarded and mistreated by society he then embarks on a downward spiral of revolution and bloody crime this path brings him face to face with his alter ego the Joker
2: ooh <laughs>
3: I feel like IMDb needs to work on their synopses. I don't know. I don't think IMDb
2: writes their synopses.
3: (laughs) They must not. (laughs) They're they're always weird and they kind of off. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, this movie is pretty big. I'm really surprised with how much money it's making. It's like worldwide almost at a billion (laughs) dollars. It's like number
0: 63 or something on the highest grossing movies of all time.
3: yeah that's fucking crazy for what it is it's just so weird because you know it's directed by todd phillips which is weird in general Mm -hmm. um and it kind of felt like it came together really quick too like i feel like we were only hearing about this within the last couple months at least maybe in the last year but still like i don't know and it's pretty low budget for this kind of movie for a dc property you know 50 million dollars i think or something anyways but uh i really really like this movie um it was really i mean the trailers kind of sold it on like sold it for me they looked really good them trailers Uh, were amazing yeah, the trailers were amazing, and uh, I f- felt like the movie did the trailers justice. If <laughs> that's kind of a weird thing Finally. to say, but like the trailers were so amazing that, uh, that yeah, it, it's easy for that kind of thing to be overlooked. But I think the movie, when it delivered exactly what I was hoping it would, which is, uh, it was a unique looking movie. I love like the cinematography and like the weird saturations they used in here like it, it's it's kind of it's kind of weird look i don't know it's like some some things are tinted in different ways depending on how the scenes break down and uh, i'm just thinking like there's the shot of like the stairwell that he dances on uh it's just such a weird color scheme and i like just that look the whole movie has that throughout it. it's just really cool looking um and it's kind of a unique grounded direction to take a big property like a essentially a batman movie it's not about batman but you know it's definitely you got to remember that this movie is very much dc and it's very much existing in those worlds you know whether or not uh people are seeing it as that i Mm -hmm. think it very much is that um or whether or not there'll be
0: crossover right there's not like it's not right. explicitly, there might not... like, going to be crossed over with anything, but, right. but it could be.
3: Yeah, for sure. But also, I think, like, in the discussion of this movie, a lot of people are disregarding, like, its peers, like, what it's existing around, which is, like the Avengers and Justice League and, you know, there's a world of superhero movies and I feel like no one's really comparing this to superhero movies. They're only comparing it to movies that clearly inspired its style. Mm. Um, Which, which is fair, I think, because it's very heavily influenced by, you know, Scorsese films and stuff. So, uh, but I think that's what makes it so unique and so cool. It's cool to experience this kind of story through that lens because we haven't seen anything through that lens before, or anything from this genre through that lens. So it's a very unique way. And by by that, that lens, I mean like a grounded, uh, gross kind of grimy crime thriller. Um, I don't think they've really ever done that with any superhero movie. So it's just a cool shock to that genre I think and I like that they were especially like Warner Brothers being willing to let them do that with this character like understanding you know they're not gonna be able to sell toys of like this <laughs> <laughs> murderer like they can't they I don't know cost, it's like
2: a lot of costumes yeah Halloween costumes
3: right but it's just so much of everything is being consumed by Disney nowadays and like the, that machine grinding out like so much just crap about every single movie. It's really overwhelming and it's nice to see this movie that just kind of sits there on its own. They just kind of put it out and it's like, you know, if you like it, you like it. If not, we're not shoving it down anyone's throat. It
2: seems to be what Warner brothers is doing now. Like, nothing really has to be in continuity with anything else it's Mm -hmm. like it you can probably imagine that they are all in continuity but that's it's fine if they aren't exactly they're not trying to make a a cohesive where uh you know franchise where everything fits into something else and i think that's uh uh if if nothing else a great alternative to what marvel's
3: doing yeah absolutely and it goes without saying uh joaquin phoenix kills it in this movie it's a really interesting and different take on that character that we haven't seen on film at least uh and uh i just yeah i I loved it it was so engaging for me at least i think just because it was such a intense and different take than we've seen it just really kind of grabs a hold and, uh, doesn't really let go. And by the time I just remember sitting in the theater, like, especially during the last, I think for the last 30 minutes of the movie, my wife's hands never left her face in Uh just kind of shock of how thrilling and intense the movie gets towards the end. It's just like, you just cannot look away. And, um,
0: Mm-hmm.
3: What do you guys think?
1: Um, I saw this movie with a group of people that I didn't really know very well, and
3: it was a really interesting. Didn't experience. we all
2: watch the movie with a group of people we didn't know?
3: I think I just saw it with Christina. I mean, in the theater. <laughs>
2: <Uh-oh>. sorry, guys, this is a bad joke.
1: <laughs> and like, and walking out of the theater, like after seeing such a brutal just like heavy, what should have been like a, like a comic book movie. I think it was very unexpected and it was just like hard to like muster up the words as soon as we like walked out of the theater. I kind of wish I'd seen it by myself so I could just kind of leave and like internally process it uh, without immediately having to have a reaction with a bunch of people I didn't really know too well, but it's just a yeah, different experience for a comic book film. But I, um, I don't think I loved it as much as you. But God, it was a really unique, really unique comic book ride, and uh, I give it like four out of five stars. I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly just thought it was okay. Like, <laughs> I feel kind of weird about it because, like, so many people loved it. Like, it, it got such a huge reaction. You know, it was like, like. It got such a huge reaction, and it seemed like mm-hmm. it seemed like everyone that I saw was like, "You gave it five stars, Derek." I saw Sean gave it four and a half, you know, and um, like people were like going out of their way to like reach out to me to be like, "Joker, right? Holy, holy, <laughs> you know?" And um, holy moly! And uh, <laughs> but then like a lot of critics that I follow were like panning it you know they were giving it like one two stars like this is crap you know and i don't think it's crap like i don't think it's i don't think i think it's i think it's a very well-made movie like i think it's uh put together very well and joaquin phoenix's performance is phenomenal um um i just thought it was like okay though like i don't know I, i wasn't truly blown away by it and um I don't know, I, I I just kind of, like... I don't know, it kind of strikes me as, like, a movie that, um... Like, it did all the research, you know? It, like, knew what to do to make a, a good movie. But, um... And it, I, I feel like it wanted to say something. Um... But I, I felt like it was... <laughs> it was weirdly, like, too... It was, like it was both very specific. Like it was very specific about this one character. Um, but then I felt like it wanted to make like a broad point and I don't think the broad points really like landed at all for me. And, um, it, it felt like it was a movie that was trying to be really important. And, um, I don't, I don't think it really like got there for me. Um, so I don't know. I feel kind of weird because I'm, I'm just kind of like neutral about it. Like I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I loved Joaquin Phoenix's performance and I just don't know if I'll ever watch it again. You know what I mean?
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: yeah. Uh, I, I, I obviously, I really liked the movie. I think I was, um, also a lot of that was, I was quite pleasantly surprised with the movie. I, um, I wasn't too excited, especially when I first heard about this. It's like, oh, God, we're going to really we're going to get a new, another Joker movie, another Joker interpretation. Um, and then when I saw the first trailers and, and saw kind of what the movie was going to do, I was like, do we really need to go darker with the Joker? We've, You know, I feel like each iteration is is trying to just out out grit. The last one is just trying to get grittier and darker and more nihilistic and, and, um, <clears throat> uh, but I, and then like just, yeah, just going into it, I, um, I wasn't that excited and I watched it and I, I thought they made like kind of right off the bat, they made a lot of really interesting and clever decisions, um, with the character. Um, another issue I had with it is I thought that they were even going maybe even further away from what I believe the Joker to be, like you know, I thought as much as I love Heath Ledger's Joker, it's an incredible adaptation of the Joker. It's not really, it's not really what Joker is, you know. It's um, it kind of took Joker and did something new and interesting and very Heath Ledger, um, Christopher Nolan'y with it, um, and then like I don't even. I don't even know what the fuck Jared leto's joker was trying to do, but that was just <laughs> we like, don't we don't
0: talk about Jared leto's yeah, joker <laughs> Yeah, let's just let's just
2: yeah move on from that but and so I thought they were you know kind of going in that direction tra- trying to push Joker even further um from what what i my joker is and um but I was surprised like i it actually fit um with like a Mark Hamill, uh, Joker that I've fallen in love with. And so yeah, Sean, um, would you say that
0: Mark Hamill is like your, your Joker? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: That absolutely. Like, um, I've, Hmm. I've read a few, um, comics with the Joker in it. Um, and like from, uh, talking to Colton for years about DC and the Joker, like I've kind of gotten a sense of, what the Joker is uh, from the comics, but yeah, pretty much the, the vast majority of my experience with the Joker is Mark Hamill, and that's that's kind of what I understand the true like the the core of Joker, like what everything should kind of be adapted from is, and I th- I really liked that. I felt like they kind of got back to that um, the performancy, the theatrical aspect of the Joker, the the comedy, drama, tragedy of the Joker. Um, and I, I was pleasantly surprised by that. Um, you know, there's a lot to be said about, about the laugh thing that they did in this movie. But I, when, um, I first kind of came to that realization, there's like an early scene when he's, he's, you know, cracking up. I think maybe even his first scene, he's just laughing in the office. I didn't, I was like, what the hell was that? That was weird. And then like a couple scenes later that, he's on the bus and he does the same thing, but he hands that woman the card and, um, and it, like it, it clicked with me and I was like, oh, I just, I thought that was so, such a clever way to introduce the laugh and to kind of make the laugh a little more, you know, m- make it more a part of who he is and like, um, bring it back to earth, down to earth a little bit more. Um, but yeah, so I I yeah, I was I was very pleasantly surprised. I also liked how um you know, this isn't the first movie to do this, but I feel like this is for me is a movie that make made me realize that the superhero movie is a genre in and of itself now or it's starting to it's really kind of moved in that direction where we're not making like action movies with superheroes in them, or we're not making another genre of movie with superheroes in it. It's this is like a super it's, this is a movie that exists on its own, um, in the superhero genre. It's, it's taking like that, the superhero genre and then, Mm -hmm taking a character from it and making its own kind of movie. And yeah, I know it's a crime movie and it fits into other genres, but it's, um, I feel like it doesn't have to justify itself to make, to take the Joker as a character and to make another kind of movie out of it. It doesn't, you don't have to have a reason. It just, it just kind of exists on its own. And it, I I think that really worked for this movie for me. Um, Yeah, Um, I feel like that's where comic books
1: have been forever on these characters that have been redone thousands and thousands of times as new artists come in and do their own series on it. It just has beginning, middle, and end, Mm -hmm. and it can be whatever genre it wants. And uh, these Mm -hmm. movies are really turning into that.
3: It sounds specifically that's really where DC's headed. They want people to come in and do their own interpretation of a comic book or character and just make it good. Just do your own interpretation, just like we do, you know, if we're running a comic books, st- you know, studio, you know, people do Batman runs and mm-hmm. Superman runs and they're all disconnected from each other generally, but it's just, yeah, people's interpretation. And that's totally, totally hundred percent. I agree with that. That's exactly how this feels. And it sounds like that's what this, they're doing now. And you can kind of take what you want and mush them together if you want, but they're not necessarily being like that explicit about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, that's how um, James
3: Gunn's Suicide Squad type stuff.
0: Um, I mean, I feel like uh, Batman Be- Batman Begins was uh, was that way a little bit with like, um, mm-hmm. yeah, like, that's, that's I, true. I mean, I feel like Batman Begins mm-hmm. was was a film noir. I have it on my film noir list, and um, just. It just the way that he operates in the shadows and uh, interrogates people, puts pieces together, interviews, and solves the mystery in Gotham in this nihilistic place. Um, yeah, but yeah, same thing where it, like, it doesn't really feel like it's it's trying that hard, like, to be something. So that's where I feel like the Joker was trying, though. Like, trying a little too hard for me. Like, I feel like Batman Begins was like, it like effortlessly was a film noir where this one was like pretty much like by the books, a Martin Scorsese movie, you know, like anyone who's seen the King of comedy or taxi driver, it's like a pretty straight up mixture of the two of those movies. And it's like, mm-hmm. I think that's why I like a lot of critics really heaped on it. Cause it's like, you know, it just like straight up, like you could say that it ripped off those movies, like pretty explicitly. So like, and, I mean, there's nothing. There's, I mean, one way of looking at it's like there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. Um, I think I, last year there was that movie, um, and also with Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin um, Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what what was that one called? The, the you're you're never. You
3: were never really here. Yeah,
0: you were never really here, and I feel like that was also like heavily inspired by Taxi Driver. And I said at the time when that one came out, like clearly this was inspired by Taxi Driver. But also, like, Taxi Driver came out in the 70s. Like, it's it's okay to, like, kind of, like, you know, rip off a movie a little bit that came from the 70s. And um, so I, I don't necessarily think that it's a bad thing to rip off or copy or pull ideas from older movies that you're inspired from. Um, I just don't know if The Joker was, like... I don't know. I just feel like Joker wasn't very um, subtle about it.
2: Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. Um I mean, I get that. Uh, for me, it wasn't like it was a beat for beat remake of Taxi Driver with with the Joker in it, as I, I think a lot of critics that I've heard have um, kind of made it sound. It plot plot wise it really has it, it no is, plot.
3: Yeah, like it, no I, plot. I, I mean, like
2: Taxi Driver has absolutely stolen no between plot. them. This movie, I feel like, is a a little bit more plot driven. Um, but it's like pretty close you know, to the King the of comedy.
0: What I keep hearing is that people are saying that it's closer plot wise to the King of comedy. It, I
2: would agree with that. It's closer plot wise to King of comedy, but it's still, I mean, it's not that close. Right. I mean, they're not, um, they're not aside like, from maybe the climax is, is similar. You know, I could agree with that, but, um, mm-hmm. but the, the ending or not even the ending, but the, the kind of the climax and on the, yeah do we need to get say into spoilers that in spoilers i
3: think are we doing
0: yeah do we want to get into spoilers scared. at this point maybe yeah i, I had like
2: another uh big question for you guys yeah, but i thought into, maybe last minute we should jump into spoilers first
0: before. yeah, yeah so i'm into even, spoilers for this so yeah from from this yeah. point on we're gonna be we're not gonna be holding back we're gonna be talking about spoilers for the joker so uh spoilers spoiler warning turn off the Turn off the episode if you don't want to be spoiled, but we're gonna be talking about uh, details with the Joker without any sort of uh, hesitancy. So, spoiler warning. Here we go. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, obviously the the ending scene that is most similar to King of Comedy is the the late night show. Late night show. Um, yeah.
1: So I was um, not I was not a big fan of the late night show scene. I. Th- I thought his, and I was really scared they were going to end it there, but I thought his monologue, I'd love to re-listen to it again, but I was kind of like cringing a little bit in the movie theater when that uh, monologue was going on. And right after the gunshot hit, I was like, oh no, they're going to cut now and I'm going to hate this movie. Oh no. But (laughs) then when they opened it up uh, outside of the studio, it totally reeled me back in and got me like super like thrilled. And I loved that they added on that extra 10 minutes. And um, yeah, it kept me from mm-hmm. having that uh, interview part really ruin the movie for me. Did anyone get cringy vibes like, from that I feel monologue? like that... I
2: got some I cringy did not vibes at all. a little bit from um, Robert De Niro. I don't really know why. I thought maybe at parts I, I thought he was a little cringy, but I don't know. I thought he I, I did
3: better really that than, that than usual with uh, with these older actors kind of be brought in, brought in as like a, I don't know, he was clearly brought in because of the themes of the movie. And uh, I feel like it was very much because of similarities of other things he's in and stuff like that. Like that kind of felt like its own reference to like, he definitely right. wasn't just like a guy yeah. trying out for this movie. It <laughs> and felt, like, yeah, yeah, you it got felt... the part, Robert. It's like no, they uh, they wanted Robert De Niro to play that part specifically. And a lot of times those those parts don't tend to be done very well. and I, th- I thought they did better I can kind of see what you're saying about Robert De Niro, but I think they did better than than that that part normally ends up in these in like those kind of roles, you yeah. know. When, a character, when an actor is brought in to, repre- like to play a, a specific character as a reference to older movies that he's in. Uh, I was
1: more just talking about him recapping his mindset from the past two hours of the film and just like... Well, yeah, you're talking about the minutes. white Joaquin
3: Phoenix monologue, yeah. for sure. But I didn't get cringy vibes at all from that. I thought it was, yeah, it was just really, a really intense situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really have any time was, to like...
2: I was more on, on the edge of my seat. Like, I was
3: more worried about him, yeah, blowing people's heads off yeah. than worried about him saying the wrong uh-huh. words. But Yeah, and I uh, thought like
2: like I, I thought that scene was somewhat cleverly written in that it was him, you know, I guess making his case to the to the the underbelly of Gotham, you know. Um
1: that was all him. the times kind for of exposition, of, it kind of made sense what of all
2: the like, times it was not a for exposition. I didn't see
3: that as an expositional scene really. No, I didn't think like, it was for exposition. I sorry, think it was uh, just wearing
1: like, your like emotions on your sleeve that, uh, yeah, that was, I guess oh. set up decently realistically.
3: I mean, that was like, yeah, cause it was the climax of his, his like breaking point was that moment. So it's like, everything's kind of leading up to that, that, that moment right there. And so that's when all his emotions kind of come out. And I think that fits really well and it's fairly well written. I think it's less preachy than people are making it out to seem. I don't think the movie was trying to make a point. Like everyone thinks that for some reason, this, this Todd Phillips, like (laughs) random Joker movie is trying to be deep and like have a big, like philosophical, philosophical and like societal like point. Very much disagree with that, and that's not the way the Joker would be either. So, well, I feel like that's a weird thing that people that are kind of shoving several all times. Way. What
1: that he didn't want it to be, you're right, that, that he not, didn't want it to be that way.
3: Well, well, yeah, right. and literally in that same scene, he says, like, he's just killing people because it's fun. So he doesn't, he does have a rate, like, he is angry at society, but Mm -hmm. I don't think he has a point to make. He just wants them to die.
0: I don't know, guys. I felt like the movie, uh, subtextually, used a lot of, like, imagery um, that reflected, like, scary things that you see in real life. Like, I felt like they were purposefully, like, between the, like, protests and the riots and, like... um, just a lot of the imagery was was stuff that you could see in the news. And then, like, the whole thing, like, um, against how people were revolting against rich people. I mean, it kind of struck a chord with, like, um, you know, Occupy Wall Street, like that type of stuff. I felt like the movie. See, for- I felt like the movie was, like, using real, like, intense imagery to you know to at least put to at least put it in there and like yeah maybe it didn't have a point but then in my opinion that's like irresponsible like that's well, like that's not that's dumb like that makes me dislike the movie even more if you're like i, yeah, think I just made a fun scenes, movie and, and you use this cool stuff like it just that's dumb <laughs> that's, that's really those stupid scenes
3: for me were really integral in defining gotham in how like that to me felt like a good lead into the Gotham that we see in Batman Begins, where it's like this completely destroyed, like degenerated, like society where there's literal like giant portions of the city. that are just completely like a war zone, you know, it, and that I, that's what this felt like. It was all the prelude to that. To me, I thought it was like a perfect setup for that by adding that- in those scenes and without those scenes, it wouldn't be it would feel yeah. like just like Chicago or something, you know, they'd it and would I, feel much more like a real city as opposed to this comic book city of Gotham that it takes place in.
2: I, I, um, I also really appreciate the decision to make it, um, Gotham that, you know, I, I thought that they were, they might go down the road of the path of, um, having Joker be the one that kills, uh, Thomas Wayne and creates Batman. Um, but I liked how it was like, It was kind of um, the Joker's um, downward spiral was was mirrored by Gotham's downward spiral. And then it was the, you know, at the climax of that, um, that Batman kind of in in essence was created in, in the back alley. Um, yeah, it's kind and of, and I thought a- that was really clever. Like, like the the creation of both of these two things come from this society that utterly failed. And I I did want to be a little bit more specific. It's it's not that I didn't think that the movie was not doing anything or it wasn't showing anything interesting about society or depicting something interesting. It it wasn't trying to have a point. Like it was it wasn't trying to say like. You know, give a give a purpose. It was it, it certainly was saying things about, um, it, it was depicting a scenario where society has failed its um, most vulnerable people. You know, and, right. and out of yeah. that failure has um, you know something even more ugly cropped up, um, and, and it certainly was depicting the class um, structure, uh, breaking apart at the seams as, you know, the wealthy are trying to hold it together. And, you know, um, it definitely was, was showing that. And I, I hesitate to say it was, it kind of had something to say about that, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't trying to,
1: wasn't Solve any problems, not, I guess
2: it wasn't trying to provide any solutions. I don't, and I don't think it, it promised that it would, and I don't think it, it had to. Yeah. Um, I think it was an interesting depiction of, of um, a complex society that um, that failed this guy and um, who needed its help, and yeah, and and then kind of with a superhero-y twist to it. You almost
1: touched on it a little bit, but I think with the Joker's ending that they had in here, and I know this isn't a totally original thought, but I do remember walking out of the theater, having this in the back of my mind, um, like kind of curious where the like longer con was in this film and where the like super villain was in this film. And the people made in the, the ending of this movie showed that the people made the Joker a super villain like they chose him Mm. he didn't create himself they chose him to be like the representative Mm -hmm. you know they're passing them up on his arms as like this important figure um after he gets hit by the car and everything at the end he like doesn't even know and he doesn't even understand what's (laughs) happening and i'm guessing it's going to be like because of that he's then going to become some like plotting conniving mastermind Mm -hmm. but i wish that and I, sorry, people have said this before, but I wish in this movie there was some longer con that he was a part of to get him to be this, like, respected figure within the system uh, or within the system that's of... falling apart. And I feel like a movie was missing, like, that big aha moment that, like, he did this. He was the reason why he got on the talk show. He was the reason for the rioting. And now he's the one who caused... Um, like somebody to crash into the police car so he could get out and then be carried on the shoulders of like the people. But none
2: of he that didn't have
0: was a the lot case. of agency. Like there wasn't a lot of agency with, with yeah. like him with the plot. They the did taxi driver.
3: Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm I kind of, of felt like this is probably the most sympathetic. I mean, it's obviously the most sympathetic, uh, approach to the character they've done because we've never really ever had any amount of sympathy, because we have no backstory in any of the other uh, Joker on film interpretations. But um, I kind of felt like that, that f- at least it just based off the quality of most of the movie, I assumed that that all was uh, intentional choice, was that's not the joker that they're trying to make. He's yeah. not the big mental we do, threat. Yeah, that's like, he's not Heath Ledger where he has like hospitals arm to explode that, like months before. That would be fascinating. Like, if
1: they think, carry that through the next few films, having him not be that, um, yeah, that could be its own unique thing. Um, I, right. I just hope in the next film, he's not like all of a sudden, a like genius.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, which I think um, he might be, Yeah,
1: but I hope you're right.
2: I uh I guess I kind of agree with that. Um I, I had this similar thoughts. I I guess I don't know how you do that and have um kind of have the same outcome as this movie had that that I really appreciated with the uh, the society creating Joker and you know the, I I guess like I feel like having the Joker um be the agent for that change detracts from what the mo- movie was going for maybe there was a a good middle ground that they could have achieved maybe they didn't quite get something but i wonder if that criticism of the movie is, comes more from people's expectations of it rather than yeah
1: i um, hope it's not that way but i was yeah, yeah. it could be my expectations
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I did have a question for you guys. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, um, the Joker in this movie is a lot more of a, a more a, a much more realistic portrayal of mental illness, um, than any other Joker that we've, we've seen so far. And I think. Um, I think me and Nick, maybe a a while, I don't even remember when, I think we may have had a little bit of a conversation about how mental illness is portrayed and um, in cinema and how there's a lot of stigma attached to mental illness and how, how movies can, um, you know, um, reinforce those stigmas in society. And Uh, I think we taught, I believe it was this conversation. We talked about the Joker and my, my, what I said about the Joker is that he's so far away outside of any kind of diagnosable mental illness that it's not, I, at least at that time, I didn't think it was harmful in that sense. It wasn't creating a real stigma about mental illness because of that. Um, clearly, this movie, I, I can't really make that argument, and they, definitely made the choice to bring in, um, mental, real diagnosable mental illness, uh, to this character. They didn't um, diagnose. And I was just wondering well. what. I was just I gonna th- ask, that is what true. Did they did they not diagnose
1: him with. No, they, they didn't. Disorder?
2: But they definitely brought that diagnosable mental illnesses to his characters. Like, like they, they didn't could, actually give a like, name. You someone someone some professional probably could diagnose make right. a diagnosis from this movie um I, I especially i also respect that they didn't um provide any diagnosis maybe in part because um when the movie took place they didn't really have solid di- diagnose 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 that's not right diagnoses for these mental illnesses but um yeah, I was just wondering what, what your guys' thoughts on that were. Um, does bringing it into the more realistic realm, does that um, show people that these are real things and th- that these illnesses are real and um, are real problems in our society? Or does it portray them in a way where people are now more likely to fear these mental illnesses? Or um, I think yeah.
1: that's on people for lumping all mental illnesses together. Um, I don't think it's the movie's responsibility to say like this, this caused him to be a murderer, but not all people that have that aren't are necessarily murderers. Like you just have to be a normal, smart person to know that. And, uh, I think all people who are able to commit heinous acts like that are mentally ill in some way or another. Like, they are not of normal mind. And I don't think there's any other way to do it.
0: Um, I, do, yeah. I do really appreciate with this movie how they... Um, how it was, like, a plot point of how um, he was going to counseling and he was having treatment and he was on medication. And then um, it got cut. Like, his funding got cut. And I mean, as you were saying earlier, like a big point of this movie is that um, society kind of like left him behind and um, he he needed help and uh, no one was helping him. And I mean, I I think that I think that was a good touch that they had that as a plot point with this movie.
1: You know, Mm -hmm. what are people saying
0: about it, I guess?
2: Well, I mean, I've heard both things. I've heard people say that, um, you know, that seeing a realistic portrayal of mental illness up on screen has kind of normalized it for them and um, has helped them identify with certain things that he's going through in the movie. Um, but I've also heard that maybe the, actually, I, I you know, I haven't heard anything from. I guess I haven't heard anything negative from people who have heard or or, or have a a mental illness. Well, there was um, from this movie. Not really about mental
0: illness, but there was like that whole. Before the movie came out, there was like the whole fear aspect of like how this was going to uh, sympathize with a killer and Mm. someone who Mm. um, was mentally deranged and capable and willing to kill be a mass murderer and it was going to inspire killings themselves, Mm -hmm. you know? And like people were, people were legitimately worried about it, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, nothing happened. Like, thank goodness that there were no movie theaters that were shot up or anything, but like people were legitimately worried about it. And, um, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, people that we know, I'm not on board with that mindset.
1: Like, I think that's always a positive thing. Like everyone, Everyone was a poor, innocent child at some point, just like the rest of us. And to know their story is, I don't know, to know more about life. And I don't think that can ever be a bad thing. To learn the history of some psychotic killer and try to find the intricacies of why they became that way in order to sympathize Mm -hmm. how they became what they are now, I think can only be a positive thing.
0: I don't know, like I I, I don't hmm. I don't really have a lot of interest in uh, in getting to know that much about a serial killer. I, I personally think it's kind of like gross how we're our society is like obsessed with like real life um, crime, like real true true crime. true crime. Yeah, like I think it's like pretty gross. I don't know, there was there's a documentary that came out like a few years ago called uh, the Tower Brandon, maybe you saw it, but it was yeah. like about it was about the, 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 the um, sniper attack that was on that, that college campus, I um, can't remember which college campus it was, but um, the movie was all about the victims, you know, and and how, mm-hmm. the, and how they survived and how the guy was eventually stopped, but they never said his name and they didn't give any background on him and, like, I respected that, you know, I was like, I'm so much more interested in the people who, like, do good in the world than figuring out why the, the serial killers do crazy things and i I, you know but maybe that's just me and i i don't have the facts and figures to like back it up or whatever but i could see potentially someone being inspired by a killer you know like i think that's why there are a lot of copycat mass shootings around like i think people have seen that you can get away with it and you can become famous for being a mass killer so then people do it sometimes but i also I also wasn't afraid that a theater was going to be shot up. I didn't think that was going to happen. And I think that this movie was way too specific about this one specific person to that's a clearly a made up person to um, like to I don't know. I, I didn't think I thought that if anything, this movie was more of what Sean was just saying about how like there. Um, I, th- I think that there's there's more relatability to it than about like inspiring you know, it wasn't really a call of action right. at all. Yeah. You know, it right. wasn't mm-hmm. anything like that. It's kind of like an age-old,
1: you know, Natural Born Killers is a movie that exists and has been made before. That's the ultimate extreme right. version of this, right? It's kind yeah. of like... I mean,
2: this is nowhere near Natural Born Killers. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's yeah. kind that of like the age-old concern about following, mm-hmm. uh, not an anti-hero, maybe it's an anti-hero, but
0: following the villain yeah. as your protagonist. Mhm. Yeah. I mean they're anti I guess. Um, yeah. Um, Bonnie and Clyde run around okay. killing people. I mean, that was Oh, hell yeah, a Bonnie and Clyde. Damn. And those
2: ones yeah. like actually glorify their violence and and make it fun and you know um,
0: Right.
3: Yeah, this, because this it's one fun, thing Because it's fun jam about this <laughs> I get Every that right? kill oh, yeah. in this movie is very it's upsetting. Quentin Tarantino? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he loves yeah, His violence yeah, is fun. That's basically
1: sure. what but, we've been
3: talking about the last 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. We should just yeah.
1: insert there's Quentin nothing Tarantino's fun,
3: voice. Nothing fun about the violence in this
0: movie. Right. Yeah. It's shocking. Uh, All the violence that happens. There's not uh, a lot, There's not actually that much violence in this movie, not really. Yeah. There's like a handful of shootings you know, but, but they all happen with a bang. Like, I mean, clearly it's a shooting happens with a bang, but it's like, it's, (laughs) I feel like all of them are very sudden and explosive and shocking. Like each one of them, each one of them is like, holy crap, that just happened. Did that really just happen? And then you like, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, Yeah. Back to to that point, Nick, like I, I've actually recently, been uh, i just binged uh season two of um mind hunters um which the premise of that show is uh the fbi uh creating kind of a psychological profiling um system to help catch um serial killers and that's the david fincher show right yeah, David Fincher. Uh, although I don't think he's too involved in it anymore. He did. He, I think he directed the first two episodes, and then I don't know if he's done anything um, really directly with it since. Okay. But um, yeah, it's just you know, and it's it's all about attempting to understand really wh- mental illness. It's it's trying to understand the complexities of the human brain. It's not, and to me, like saying that doing so is justifying it. It's like trying to understand why, um, you know, why anything bad happens in the world. Why do we get so much crime and violence out of certain um, uh, poverty levels or, you know, it's not trying to justify anything it's, it's attempting to understand it, to make um, realistic Changes to our society that uh, m- maybe if we know the problem we can start uh, or or if we understand the problem we can start to make real changes. I don't know if this movie necessarily you know <laughs> gives us any enlightenment that that we don't ha- already have, but um, yeah I, I also I, I agree with Brandon I, I reject the idea that attempting to um, understand. Um. something like that isn't just isn't justifying it at all uh, or even sympathizing with it it's not you know it's it's something completely different yeah i don't think yeah. so.
0: Yeah. i mean i agree i, agree. I don't think yeah. i don't think that's what i'm saying i don't think yeah okay. but i hear what you're saying i think, I think
2: yeah sorry. i think that's what some people are saying i don't think that's what you're saying
0: either okay. Um, well, guys, we've been talking for like an hour and a half, so um, yeah, I feel like we should a probably wrap worms. it up. Um, yeah. um, I did want to bring up an idea I had for uh, a Joker sequel. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, there's this, gr- just real quick, there's this really great episode of the animated series where it's called Joker's Millions. And I think that would be an awesome Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie where he's... It's basically, he's just like, it's years and it's like, he's been a criminal for years and years and years, but like people are tired of him. Like he's just not that great at being a criminal anymore. And he's just super broke and he lives in a really shitty apartment. And then this gangster, uh, dies and gives him all of his money. And so then he goes out and spends like all this money and it's all looking to be legit. So Batman's like spying on him and it seems like it's like all legit, but then, uh, it turns out the money, uh, isn't real and the guy was in debt. So now Joker's back in debt and he gets caught by the federal government and has to go to prison because of uh, like tax evasion and stuff. So, um, <laughs> so real. Uh, yeah. yeah. That, that would be so really work. Great, uh, yeah. Anyway, so, cool. so let's wrap it up. Um, yeah. Brandon, uh, what movie are you excited about for next month? November. Um, oh, I
1: I just uh, saw the trailer for Ford vs. Ferrari, even though I've been hearing about it for a while. Oh, hell yeah. Um, Hell yeah. 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 I was in theaters and I couldn't avoid it. But um, it's James Mangold's new film. Uh, He directed uh, Logan and the second Wolverine film as well. So he's a really really great director. Mm -hmm. 310 to Yuma. This movie already has good reviews, so I'm excited for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sean, what about you?
2: yeah i mean second to everything that everyone is saying on this list but uh jojo rabbit i'm super excited for i'm probably gonna see it this mm-hmm. weekend
1: oh yeah it's out uh
2: yeah uh it's in one theater in seattle or one amc theater at least it's probably in some other ones but um yeah limited release i'm really excited uh should be a blast
1: who did that sean i did
2: oh that's uh taika Waititi. Right ladies who did um thor ragnarok and um what we do in the shadows and hunt for the wilder people
0: Uh, derek
3: yeah i'm really excited to see parasite i know you guys have all seen it already but Mm -hmm. uh,
0: did all of us see it already Um, really yeah i just saw it
1: yesterday
0: oh you saw it today oh shit yeah i saw it saturday um
3: i think it, it sounds like this is kind of
0: well, we'll talk about Parasite next month. I'm really excited about
3: mm-hmm. it. Um yeah. But. And uh Knives Out, Ryan Johnson's new movie. Oh, yeah. So Hell excited yeah, for, for sure. It's going to be for a sure, blast. Sure. Hell
0: yeah.
2: yeah. I do I do since we're uh uh here, I want to give a mention. I also saw another movie yesterday, To the King. Um if it, it's on Netflix right now, it's a Netflix original. It's uh Timothy Chalamet and um um, Robert Pattinson oh, yeah. and um, Joel Edgerton. Um, it's, um, yeah, it's it's not necessarily the best, but I found it really interesting. It's about Henry V and um, kind of the English invasion of France and leading up to the Battle of Agincourt and um, really interesting medieval um, historical kind of fiction. Um, it's more based on... Shakespeare's play his, uh, like Henry V plays or whatever, but, um, it, without like having the, the Shakespeare language. Um, but yeah, I saw that yesterday and it really, really kind of stood out. It's a really interesting movie.
0: <clears throat> cool. Yes. Sean was able to, uh, sneak a review in our preview section. So, um, <laughs> that was mm-hmm. cool. Good job, Sean. Yeah. Um, Oh, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, Cool. Um I uh I um I'm really excited for The Irishman. Um Martin Scorsese's new movie with De Niro oh, and yeah. Al Pacino and Joe Pesci. Um it's going to be on Netflix at the end of the month, like Thanksgiving Another weekend Netflix I think. Netflix original. Totally it's, yeah. it's a Netflix God damn, movie. Damn, I'm but, excited. Um, I just bought tickets today. For um, it's playing the Cinerama, so I'm going to go see it on Saturday. Nice. So,
3: wow. are you ready to sit in the theater for almost four hours? <laughs> Glorious. <laughs> yeah. This sounds so intimidating. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Easier than at but home. This is, sitting
0: still for four hours.
3: Uh, not, not as easy for me. Uh, this is not be Netflix's. You think they're they're like one of these movies? God damn it! One of these movies got to make it to the Best Pictures <laughs> Yeah this is, this, could be be it. Uh-huh. this could be it. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah for sure.
2: I don't know. Yeah, yeah. sorry. This, this is the uh, best Wait. picture list right here.
0: Wait, Roma didn't win think? best picture last year. Oh yeah, no. the Green Book did. No, that's so sad. Yeah, right.
3: I forgot that Roma was Netflix. Holy crap. Cool. Yeah.
0: Well, um yeah let's wrap it up um th- so yeah thanks for listening everybody uh, and uh have a great have a great month November is gonna be a really epic month for movies so uh hope you yeah. see something great epic have a great night
2: bye bye bye, bye.